Okay, welcome back, Creatures of the Night, for our next installment for the Phenom and Animal Rivalry, The Undertaker and Batista. As you know by now, I am joined on this journey by my good friend from Twitter, Keegan Dimitrovic, at KeeganRW on Twitter. And we are, you have in store for a turning point match here in the rivalry, as we were discussing before we hit record. Um, through before this, you know, we've been through No Way Out the as the tag team match imploded. We've been through WrestleMania 23 where The Undertaker reigned supreme to go 15-0 and capture the World Heavyweight Championship. We've been through Backlash and SmackDown Steel Cage where there was a both a double draw forcing The Undertaker to retain the World Heavyweight Championship without getting that extra edge over on Batista. And I use edge in a little bit of a, a fun way there because as we saw at the end of the CO Cage, Edge cashed in and stole the title from The Undertaker and stole the opportunity from Batista. So before we get started to see the Cyber Sunday 2007 match where The Undertaker and Batista collide once again over the World Heavyweight Championship with the added inclusion of Stone Cold Steve Austin as special guest referee, how are you doing, Keegan, and how, how are your feelings before we get started on this match? I'm doing great. Um, great. You know, this is a match I think I, think I just said before off air that I did rewatch last year uh, you know, when I was writing uh, down my top 100 matches of the 2000s. And uh, yeah, this one still holds up, but it's, it's pretty forgotten, in my opinion, from the Undertaker and Batista rivalry. A lot of people remember WrestleMania 23 Backlash, uh, the cage match, and lots of down in Hell in Cell, but this one's kind of like, I find this one's lost in the shuffle, but to me it's probably like the third best match they had, in my opinion, I would say. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if it was the last, if last year was the last time I saw it before it actually happened on pay-per-view back in 07, because I remember as a kid watching this. So... I think this might be my. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's it's been a while, but um, I'm always I'm always game to see Undertaker. Yeah, and like you said there, uh, I remember watching this as a kid. I remember voting for Stone Cold Steve Austin to be the special guest referee because anytime I can get a chance to see Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of my favorite characters from the Attitude Era growing up always took that opportunity. So I voted for Stone Cold Steve Austin because I hated JBL uh, for the most part because I hated, I don't want him, I didn't want him near another Undertaker match. And I think Austin was always a better guest referee uh, than Mick Foley. No, no offense to Mick Foley, I love Mick Foley. But Austin's always fun as a referee. You know, you never know when that stunner is going to come out. You never know what the cans of beer uh, so, oh, I remember voting for Austin. I remember watching this match. Uh, I don't think I've rewatched it in a long ass time, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I know it does not go the way I want it to go, and um, that's a little bit of something that, uh, as we were talking off here, this is the match that is parallel to the beginning matches, as we saw the Undertaker reign supreme at WrestleMania, dominated it. And he continues to keep the championship. Although a draw, he's still the technical winner in Backlash and on SmackDown. But here it turns the tide in the rivalry. And it's a, a turn that The Undertaker will not be able to reverse. 
until he gets that pinfall as we see in the Elimination Chamber and later on in Tables, Ladders, and Cheers in 2009. So if you know where we're going with this, uh, you know the outcome, you know what comes after, and all the other fun matches and moments from this, but I am ready to get started if you are. Absolutely, man. Awesome. We are both queued up at 2 hours, 20 minutes, 10 seconds, one on Peacock, one on the WWE Network, and if you are joining along, please make sure to uh, queue up also at 2 hours, 20 minutes, and 10 seconds. As uh, The Undertaker's gong is about to cut off Stone Cold Steve Austin from celebrating from just stunning JVL. So in 3, 2, 1, play. I miss Cyber Sunday. I always loved this pay-per-view as a kid because I love the interactive part of it. And I think especially now with how much uh, social media has been impacted in wrestling, I think it would make sense to bring in that. Yeah. Bring, bring that Taboo Tuesday back. I think it would just... Ex- I don't know, exactly. It sense. Yeah. This is... This, you know, they introduced Taboo Tuesday in 2004 and then 2005. Uh, Cyber Sunday, 07, 08, and 09. Or, I mean, 06, 07, and 08. Um, so, this was at a time where there was hardly any cell phones. There was very little social media, if any. You had MySpace. You had very an infantile Facebook, if I remember correctly. Um, I think Twitter literally just started. Yeah, I mean, it was like right there at the infancy. So can I was just can you imagine what they can pull off now, and what they you know they always talk about social media now: Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all the opportunities that they can. Put towards a pay-per-view of this magnitude and just I always loved the entrance stage a giant computer screen you know they can make it a giant phone or anything like that that be I think to bring it back nowadays is such a good idea the only thing I would question though is if the votes are legit because I heard rumors back in the day um, that uh, not every vote was legit. Some were and some weren't. Well, well, uh, I, I... I would want them to be legit. So, like, I don't know. For instance, now, let's say you brought Cyber Sunday back and you're going to have your main event as, like, I don't know. What's the main event of Mania going to be this year? Reigns and Lesnar? Yeah. So, let's say you're going to do Reigns and Lesnar round 10,000 at Cyber Sunday. And it's going to be the final chapter. Why not have a choice between, like, Extreme Rules match, Hell in a Cell match, and, like, Texas Death match or something, or Last Man Standing? It's like, then that, and then that way, you're, one of those stipulations can end a feud. It would make sense, you know, and then the crowd can kind of get what they want. I think that would be really cool for today's day and age. I agree. Especially, especially I... with how crazy that Twitter is now and stuff, like... I, th- it w- I think it'd be a big money grab, and I think you could probably you, you could probably even do a stadium for Cyber Sunday now. It's just like every I think so many people would want to be a part of that a part of that interactive process. That I think they would I think they'd fill a lot of seats. I agree, and um, you know we're seeing the Undertaker make the entrance. He's just returned a month prior at Unforgiven. Um, Undertaker Stone Cold, the stalwarts of the Attitude Era. And her first entrance too. And he's making the entrance. Uh, even though Batista's the champion, usually the champion enters second. 
Usually the Undertaker enters second to a championship match. Uh, but he, he enters yeah, here first. He entered first. He entered first at 24. Yeah, like this was one of my favorite years in WWE, like in ring wise. Just because like you had Undertaker and Batista, you had, and then you brought in Edge and brought him to SmackDown with you both, you know, and then you had Cena and Michaels, you know, you had Orton and Edge doing their thing, you know, on Raw before Edge defected SmackDown. You know, in ring wise, it was a very good year, but it's overlooked. I mean, it's overlooked by a lot of a lot of other factors, but in ring wise, if you if you look at 07 from an from an objective perspective, there was a lot of good matches. Yeah, I always, I always have fond memories of 07, 08, 09, all good, that good, good trilogy of years in WWE. I was so happy to be a kid in that era because, like, you had Undertaker, you had Batista, you had Jeff Hardy, you had CM Punk, you had Edge, you had Triple H, you had Shawn Michaels, you had there was just so many, so many people that that you could like. You know, there was a variety for everybody. Like you know, like the younger audience liked. John Cena and Rey Mysterio, you know, which I like both those guys too, but I, I was always a big Undertaker fan, big Rey Mysterio fan, you know, like, I mean, big Batista fan when I was a kid, you know, and it's like big Jeff Hardy fan, big Punk fan, big Edge fan, so it's like, back then, it's like there was, there was always some, somebody for, you know, for someone to like, you know, there wasn't just like one guy that was forced, you know, like they, that you had like 10 different guys or, you know, or gals, and they, you know, it, it, it created a fun, uh, a fun era because yeah. there was different feuds all the time. Every few meant something, you know, even if there wasn't like a title on that state, but like, for example, like Undertaker and Randy Orton never had a title in their feud. It's still like the best feud of the year for Yeah, know, I, I agree. Lots, lots of top tier talent names, lots of talent you can get behind and just enjoy what they were doing in the ring. Um... I was just about to say that uh, Batista getting the hometown welcome as they are in Washington, D.C. Um, but yeah, lots of all those talents you just named, Hall of Fame talent that um, always enjoyed their in-ring work. And like imagine if Austin didn't have to retire, you know, like he still probably would have been mixing it up with these guys too. Probably would have been a triple threat here if Austin was. And Austin, Austin, um... Keeping up the tradition of not wearing a referee shirt when he's a special guest yeah. referee. I think he only did at WrestleMania 23. I think that's the only time he ever wore a ref shirt, from what I remember. I think that's the only time he's ever worn a ref shirt. God, probably. Because he didn't even wear one in 98 when he refereed Undertaker Kane. I, yeah, I think the only time I ever saw him wear a ref shirt was the Maga and Lashley match. Vince, the Battle of the Billionaires match, I think was the only time. And you know Batista needs this victory, you know. I think, yeah, they, and you know he needs it because he never got that win over the Undertaker. So it's something that Batista, you know, character-wise, and also you know, for Undertaker to put over Batista as well, is just you know. I think we're going to draw one at some point. Because a feud can only go so far if only one person's getting a victory. And they did, and they did two not finishes too. They did the. The not finish at backlash and the not finish in the cage. Yeah. So they, so I mean, they still protected Batista because Batista only took one, one pinfall loss up to this point to Taker, and that was uh, at main. And this would, and this would be spoiler, Undertaker's one pinfall loss to Batista. 
And of course, yeah. um, and of course, as we saw at Survivor Series, Edge gets involved, so it's a protection for the Undertaker. And at Armageddon, you get the Edge heads um, taking the Undertaker out, which allowing Edge to pin Batista. Yeah, and you know what's funny too is Undertaker very rarely lost clean in this era. So it's like it was a very rare time for Undertaker to lose clean because from what I remember in 04 and 05, he never lost clean from what I remember. And then he lost, unfortunately, lost clean to Kali at Judgment Day, um, 06. And then, spoiler for those who have, who have probably already seen this match already, but this is another clean loss too, but I'm not going to reveal what the finish is. That's up for everyone else to watch, but I think Undertaker only took like I think from this from when he returned as, as the Dead Man. I think he only took from 04 to 2010 like I think three clean losses. Like I can't remember him taking that that many more. I think you know there was this one, there was Kali a Judgment Day, and then uh, Kozlov. I think in 09 was the other one, and then I can't remember any 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 else post that besides maybe. Yeah, because even the Kurt Angle one at No Way Out, that was kind of a smaz. Yeah, it was kind of a... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd call it a clean finish. It was like a cheap finish. You know, like yeah. it wasn't really like... It's a roll... I, mean, I remember, it's a roll-up that Angle holds on to the tights. It was a protected finish, you know? So it's like, I, I wouldn't really classify that as a clean finish. You know, it was a protected finish, so Taker didn't look weak. You mm. know, so I get why they did that. But then again, you wanted... They wanted to keep Kurt as the champion without Undertaker winning, so you know I get why they did that finish. It was really the only finish they could have done, really. But like because he lost to Kane clean, I think twice. No, once in 2010, I think at Night of Champions was was the one time he lost clean to Kane. Yeah, and Hell in the Cell he, had Paul Bearer's interference, and so did Buried Alive. Yeah, and uh, Bragging Rights. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then he. Uh, he lost clean to Kozlov, I think, right before Mania 25. Smackdown, from what I remember. I don't know if it was before or after Mania, but it was around that time. Um, and then he lost clean here. Didn't I don't think he lost clean at all of 08. Oh, no. Big... No. He had the big no. show. Yeah, that's right. He, sh- he punches him. Had no mercy. Uh, I don't know. You classify that as a clean finish? Depends on your definition of, of, you know, it was no interference, no nothing like that. It wasn't a pinfall finish, but... Yeah, it's true. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, because they usually don't do ITKO finishes. Yeah, and also you had that clean finish in the chamber against Triple H. Oh, yeah, or Triple H, yeah. But then it's a chamber, but it's also a multi-man, no holds barred, so it's like, can't be that clean. I don't... Uh, I don't really count multi-man matches of having clean finishes because like there's always something going on, you know, some kind of some kind of shenanigans is going on, you know, something's somebody's always inter- interfering or there's a ref bump or you know, it's not really ever clean. Like very rarely, I think I think there's only been like a, two triple threat matches ever, two or three that I've ever seen that have ever had a clean finish. And as we or turn out. As we turn our attention back to the match, Undertaker and Batista, just as we've seen all through the rivalry, as one person gets the head, you know, gets ahead in the match, the other person takes control just by, um, like that, Undertaker missing the big boot in the uh, corner, forcing Batista to get now the leg up on Undertaker as Undertaker was in control, 
for a few moments there as well. It's uh, it's yeah. very. And you know what else too I loved about this match? It's back and it's forth right action. Me. It's back and forth. Yeah, Each of them taking control when the other one slips up just for just for a quick second. Well, well, like what I loved about this match is like if um if who's whoever's watching if you notice at the beginning Batista tried to go for the spear like he did at Mania which he connected with but this time Undertaker dodged it and him with a big boot yeah so he kind of learned from us it was like he learned from WrestleMania get out of the way and then because he knew Batista was going to come out of the box quick so that's kind of you know what I mean that's good continuity there that kind of they evolved they evolved their matches because every match was different like every match they had was was so different from each other like none of them are similar in any way yeah and they're both learning from each other and each one like you said, Undertaker dodging the spear, Batista dodging the big boot, because Batista knew it's coming. So yeah. they, they're each learning from each other. They're each making oh, it harder and harder for each other to get that leg up, to get yeah. to get those big moves in. Yeah, they know each other now. Because this is the is this the fourth or fifth movie? Fourth, because still survivors through. Yeah, Batista stopping the old school. He knows it's coming. He stops it midway. You know, it's, it becomes harder and harder to try and connect these moves because they know what's coming. They've been they've been with each other for now the fourth time here. It's funny too because like at the time, a lot of people did not think these guys were gonna have good matches, and they proved everybody wrong. And I think they they more than exceeded everyone's expectations. In, in every match they had. I know they did mine. I don't know how I I don't know how I felt about Undertaker Batista, you know, as a fourteen year old or fifteen year old. But um, I know looking back on it it's definitely one of my favorite rivalries now. Oh, it's one of my favorite rivalries of all time. As a kid though, I was I think I was like six when this happened. I I didn't care it. It was the two top dogs going at it and I was like, Man, I don't care, just watch them just tear each other apart. You know, but like, I don't know, if I was 14 back in 07, I probably would have been like, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how good they're going to match, you know, but they ended up, they ended up having great chemistry. I mean, every match they had was the match of the year candidate for WWE. And yeah, I, I mean, people still talk about like, like people, like people still talk about WrestleMania 23 to this day. They still talk about that match. It's like one of the best like world title matches in WrestleMania history. Oh, definitely. It's an underrated match for sure. Should have main event it. It's I can't believe it. I can't believe that they didn't go on last. Yeah, it's a like, 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 don't get me wrong. Cena and Sean was good, but I think they got it right here because from what I remember, um, these last two matches they had before the main event. They had this. I think this was the main event of Cyber Sunday, and then uh, the Hell in a Cell match at Survivor Series was the main event too. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why the Backlash match wasn't a main event because there was a non-finish. I just can't believe that Undertaker, after coming back, he gets this hard-hitting match, he gets a Hell in the Cell, he gets a triple threat match, he gets a Royal Rumble, he gets an Elimination Chamber, and then he gets WrestleMania, and then he gets Backlash, it's, it's a full freaking big ass schedule of big time matches. Oh yeah. Demanding matches too. Demanding you know, matches like, plus you like throw in. Have, yeah, like these guys have some pretty hard hitting matches too. 
Plus, you throw in Weekly SmackDown, and he may have had an appearance on Raw or two. Uh, he may have, like, especially during the Royal Rumble build-up or something. I can't remember. But and holy crap. Yeah, and house shows, too. Yeah. I'm sure these guys, I, know, I know Batista was doing a lot of house shows back then. I don't know how many Taker was doing. I think he was doing them here and there. But, I mean, like, I know Batista was doing, was doing all of them. And, yeah, these guys have to be dead tired. I don't know. I'm thinking though, like, I wonder if this feud would have ended earlier though, if Taker wouldn't have got hurt. May. I don't know because like I'm thinking they, I'm thinking instead of Armageddon, they probably would have done the Batista, the Taker, Edge, uh, Triple Threat at SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, I I can see that. Um... I can see if Undertaker wasn't injured, I can see that the probably the steel cage would have been a finish. That Undertaker would have won it clean. So you would have That's had you would have had Undertaker clean win at WrestleMania, non finish at Backlash, the clean win for Undertaker in the steel cage, and then probably Batista would have taken it from him, maybe Judgment Day. And then you get like the rematch at uh, SummerSlam, probably with the triple threat with Edge, because Edge probably would have cashed in on Batista, probably at Judgment Day or something. Yeah, and they, and they were moving Edge to SmackDown anyway in the draft. So, so yeah, you probably would have had another month of Taker at the championship. Edge, I mean, Batista wins it, Edge cashes in, and then you get the triple threat at SummerSlam, and whoever they decide to go with the champion there. I could have seen Edge cashing in in the middle of their match. At Judgment Day or something like where they both like just tear each other apart, oh. both laying down. A la Rollins. Edge, yeah, exactly. Like Rollins, like like Edge will just run in, spear them both, and probably pin Batista, take the title, and um, that that can set up the triple threat for SummerSlam. I don't know if they thought about that before. You know, I thought maybe, you know, this is the infantile of Money in the Bank. So it would have made sense for Edge though. I don't know if they actually thought like, oh, can you really break up a match? Like, they were probably thinking, oh, you have to do it, like, after uh, a match. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if they were thinking, oh, could this be possible? I mean, you know, it shocked me in 2015 when they when they had Rollins catch it in the middle of the match. Like, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I mean, that's what, I think that's the first time they did it. So, I don't know if they, they even crossed their minds to do it beforehand. I don't know. Like, I mean, it would have made sense for Edge to have done it for the gimmick. To just come in and ruin something, you know, and ruin it for both guys. But I mean, I think I'm happy with how we got it anyway, though. Like, even though Taker did get injured, we still got two more classics of Taker and Batista. Then we got the triple threat at Armageddon. Then we had that fantastic Undertaker and Edge Duke 2008. So, I mean, I think we won in the end because we got so many great matches and two fantastic rivalries. I just wish the the rivalry with Punk would have lasted a bit longer in 2009. Yeah. We got we got three good matches out of it. You got the uh, Breaking Point, you got the Hell in the Cell, and then you got the Fatal 4-Way. Yeah, I, I kind of wish it would have went longer going into like Rumble season. But then they, I think they pumped to Raw, though, from what I remember. I can't remember. No. Oh, no, they moved on the Raw afterward. That was a year later. Yeah. He was doing this society stuff on SmackDown. Yeah, because oh yeah, because in 2009 they did do the four-way with Batista, uh, Ray, Punk, and Taker. 
Yeah, and then yeah. Punk meets Taker again in the chamber in 10. But they don't... Taker got his revenge on Punk in WrestleMania 29. Got everything, got, got everything sorted out. Austin is just so being, you know, he's just having the time of his life being a referee in this match. I think he fought being a referee. <laughs> yeah, because he's not the one taking these moves. <laughs> We'll see what happens in a week. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with that. Like, I've been watching interviews and stuff where he's saying, like, oh, like, I haven't wrestled 19 years and stuff like that, and it's making me think that, you know, it's gonna, like, they're gonna do a segment and then it's gonna lead to a match either the next day or later in the night. Like, that's what I'm thinking, but it's like, if he really does wrestle again at this stage, I would be shocked, but I would be happily shocked. Oh, Undertaker trying Undertaker trying to pull a pull a page out of Batista's book, going for a spear, only to Batista to yeah. counter him. Yeah, you don't see Undertaker try for a spear too often. The only time he ever connected was with Edge in the Hell in Cell match at SummerSlam. He tried, he tried here. His his Hell's Gate wasn't working, his choke slam wasn't working. Looks like we're going for the infamous um, turnbuckle hell, uh, last right spot here soon. I love, a, I love the last right. I actually think it's better than a power bomb. I don't know. There I we go. More, I think there's more elevation on it. I mean, I mean, I did love the Batista bomb. Both the men. Last right, I think, had more impact. Both men just totally exhausted at this point. This match has already been going on for over 15, almost 20 minutes, I think, by now. Yeah, I think they, I think most of their matches were between the 15, 20 minute mark, from what I remember. Because I think the match at Mania went 15 minutes, the Backlash one went 20, the Cage match went 27 minutes. And I think this one went about 20 minutes. He's trying for the tombstone. An Undertaker wearing purple at this time was a pretty rare occurrence. I didn't. I, I remember around this time Taker wearing purple that much until about 2010 when he when he changed up the uh, the design a little bit. Yeah, it seems like when he when he debuted these colored uh, devil faces, it, you know, the color would change, you know, from week to week, pay per view to pay per view. You know, so I know yeah, he, I know he. Yeah, he gets red. You get blue at WrestleMania against Edge. Um, I, know, I think. I, yeah, you get you get blue. I think in the chamber. So he keeps the same color. I think for WrestleMania. Going for Batista bomb here. I don't know if I like the tights or the biker pants. But it's not um, it. Oh, he kicks out. What does Batista have to do to put the Undertaker away here? Can I say though, Undertaker sold the Batista bomb perfectly all the time. Definitely. He always took a he always took a good bump for the Batista bomb. Both oh, men. Again. Both men have pulled off everything. The Undertaker is the Number only two. thing. The only thing. The only thing Undertaker is not connected with was a tombstone. One. Oh, Batista one clean. 
But it took two. It took two Batista bombs back to back. To no put, tombstone in this match either, like you said. And no tombstone. The only thing that neither man has connected with is the tombstone. Undertaker did not have a chance to pull off a tombstone in this match, so it protected the move here. Because, uh, like, there really wasn't anybody kicking out of it by this time. So it protected. Yeah, this is not when the tombstone was super protected. So the move is still protected, was not pulled off in the match, and it took two Batista bombs to give Batista what he has been craving this entire rivalry, and that is a clean victory over The Undertaker. So, and also, too, I think from what I recall, the tombstone was so protected when he came back as a dead man that in the 2000s, I think Edge and Sean, from what I remember, are the only two that kicked out. That from, from, from what I remember, because Edge kicked out at Mania, except that granted it was a really freaking long, long sequence before he kicked out, and then Sean kicked out at 25. I think there, I think, I think that's how much they protected the tombstone back then. And then in the 2010s, everybody was kicking out of it. Every other every other match, somebody like Brock would kick out of two of them, or you know, Punk would kick out of one, Triple H would kick out of one. You know, everybody was kicking out of them. So as the match ends here, any final thoughts? It's like it's such an overlooked match, you know. Yeah. Like, especially in this series that I feel like this one never gets talked about. You know, it's like a lost a lost uh, gem of a match. I I guess you could say like it's like a it's like a diamond that everybody kind of walks past. You know, like, it was, it was good, man. Like, it's like, I think a lot of people overlooked it because it was a B-show pay-per-view that was kind of, like, in the middle of the dark period for WWE, so I think that's why maybe it gets overlooked, but, I mean, it was, it was such a fun roller coaster match, and it was different from every other match that they did. Like, there was, there wasn't really a lot of outside stuff that they did in this one. Like, this one was more in the ring than, than every other match they had. And it was, this one was more like a pure wrestling match, you know, between just two heavyweights rather than, you know, guys just brawling on the outside and whatnot. So, yeah, it was a, it was a different kind of match, one that Batista usually didn't do with other guys around his size, but he proved he could do it. And, you know, Taker always had great matches back then, so that was not new for him. Yeah, Undertaker puts over Batista clean. Um... This is, it reminds me much like the WrestleMania match, just to have a different ending. It's just as I think it's a a very good match, hard hitting. Uh, they each give each other all they have, except the tombstone, but they pull off it. They pull off it well. They, they you can see the story progressing here more and more, with um, them learning from each other all these past matches. Uh, yes, and I think I think this was the third best one out of the five. Yeah, they've, they've learned from each other. They learned to adapt. They learned where to take it, what's the weaknesses, what's the strengths that they can get off on each other. And and, and you can see by the closing moments of Undertaker just staring a hole in Batista. You know it's yeah. not finished. And, yeah, and, then in and as we have already covered, uh, Survivor Series 2007, the Hell in a Cell match, the return of Edge where he screws The Undertaker to have Batista keep the title because Batista feels like he can beat... but I mean, Edge feels like he can beat Batista as champion rather than beating The Undertaker as champion. So that was his excuse to screw The Undertaker, keep Batista as the title holder. But, but what we will get to in Armageddon is that Teddy Long has an ace up his sleeve because he Edge thinks he could take on Batista, 
but can he take on both Undertaker and Batista? As that is that is Teddy Long's ace up his sleeve because we get a triple threat match the next time we come your way, Creatures of the Night, Armageddon 2007 for the World Heavyweight Championship once again. But this time, uh, you have the added bonus of Edge being the factor against Batista and the Undertaker. So who will walk away champion at Armageddon? And I know that I have seen that one re relatively recently. And um, I am kind of looking forward to revisiting that with you, Keegan, to see your thoughts, your processes about that match as um, that is our next stop in the yeah, rivalry. I haven't seen that one in a while either. So, um, anything to plug before we sign off? Uh, well, you can obviously uh, follow me on Twitter at KeeganRW, and then on Twitch, it's at KeeganRWGaming. So I had to, I, I, I had to switch it up. I don't think I could use the same uh, same tag for all of them. I think I get too confused. So, uh, it sounds weird, but I, like then I'm gonna, you know, it, it's hard for me to remember all the all the names and stuff when I got a lot of them that. So. Um, I just added gaming to it because on Twitch I am streaming video games, I'm streaming WWE uh, 2K22, streaming Crash Bandicoot. Uh, when my PS2 wants to work on it, I would stream SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. Um, so yeah, that's the stuff I would be I would be streaming. Old school gamer, you're not going to see me playing all any of the new stuff. Um, that's that, that's out. That's not uh, what I grew up on. I grew up on Spyro, Mega Man, you know, all, all those. So you'll you'll catch me playing that stuff and. Uh, Hopefully it's entertaining, and I, I hopefully I can provide some good commentary for you. Awesome. So make sure to follow Keegan wherever he is available, and make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on this YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram, at CollectingDeadMan, on Twitter, at CollectUpDead, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your preferred podcast platform. So until next time, same taker time, same taker channel, Creatures of the Night, as we continue on this journey through the animal and the phenom's intense rivalry, they will take us through at least two more years. Thank you for joining me here, Creatures of the Night, and keep on rolling, baby. Until next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.